0: sit back and enjoy druids in cars going to festivals
1: so we do a lot of traveling
0: well not so much until now as much as we
1: can you know yeah we're, we're doing our best but this whole podcast is around traveling i suppose and uh one of the questions that came in was what is your travel practice like Uh, basically if you stripped your practice all the way down uh, into the most low maintenance abbreviated simple practice for camping or uh, for for camping or for being in a car or in a hotel room, whatever Um, how would you, what, what does it look like? And I I do a whole lot of this kind of work. I have ever since I got started on this path of paganism, frankly, um, where typically what I'm doing is I'm always finding ways to sort of strip my practice down and and get it back down to brass tacks. Um, And I guess the, the biggest... Embodiment of that, or the smallest embodiment of that, is of course the Altoids tin altar, mm-hmm. where I took everything and put hollows inside an Altoids tin, which is about I don't know, probably two, two by three and a half inches or something like that. Right, or it's two smaller and a half by
0: three than half. it's smaller than a business card.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it is on one of the ends. So. Uh, but to do that. I got a little cap for a well, put that in there. I got a uh, a tea light, which happens to fit perfectly inside. And then I embossed the inside of the the metal with a tree. And I use that all the time. In fact, I have one beside my feet here in my bag. Yep, mine Um, is also
0: by your feet. Mine's not in a Altoids tin, it's in a slightly bigger tin.
1: Yeah, but, um, but that's what I carry with me, and that's typically what I use uh, when I'm going from place to place. Because for me, fire is at the center, and so I, I want to have something I can make fire with and something that I can you know, set there aside and have a fire burning in any place that allows me to do so.
0: Yeah, I have both a traditional tea light and matches, but I also have um, an electric candle.
1: Yeah.
0: Electric tea light in mine. Because um, not only is it my, like, uh, you know, travel altar, but it's also my, like, hospital travel altar or um, hiking in state parks with, you know, fire warnings. Travel altar Um, so I I use it for that as well
1: yeah and I mean stripping down the hallows is kind of a a good first step in stripping down your practice I tend to think if you you can do everything that you need to do with just a a flame or a representation of flame then you're doing pretty well I tend to think but I also like to occasionally carry some accoutrements with me um and so, a lot of times, if I'm going someplace, um, I'll carry the, the little Ada Spirits that I've made, which are little wooden, one inch by three inch by half inch deep figures, uh, or I'll, I've, I've also started making like resin figures, and I'll sometimes carry those as well, uh, which I can mold and... and use as deity images, because as I've done more and more work, I have found a lot of value in being able to set up a small shrine pretty quickly, mm-hmm. um, especially one that will fit the pocket, because it happens to us all the time where you're, you're out somewhere and someone says, hey, can you light a candle? It's nice to be able to do more than just have a candle sometimes. I went through four years of lighting the Flame of Hope with just a candle, and uh, that, there was a serious strip-down of my, my work, and I, I, I sometimes want more than that now. So I often carry more than that.
0: Yeah, I'm not a big uh, statue person. So, like, for me, my strip-down travel altar is a, um, I already talked about the tea light and the electric tea light, um, and the box of matches that fit in there. And then I have a little, like, probably, like, one teaspoon vial of water. Yep. Um, and a seashell, which is both my, like, representation of Poseidon, but also my well. Um, because it's a, like, a not a conch shell or anything. It's like a clam shell kind of yeah. um, And then I've got a little uh, wire tree, like gemstone wire tree um, where they' like the copper wire is glued to a rock and then all the branches have little stones like at the end of each twig. Uh, I don't know if I'm describing that very well, but the, the tree itself can fold in half. So when I I can fold it down and and then shut the the tin uh, so it fits in there. Um, And I have a... I had to uh, find a place to get it, but I have a 24-sided die. Um, I'm I'm not sure if it's in there right now, but it's normally in there uh, that I can use for taking omens. (laughs) And I've got... um, a travel bind rune that a friend made for me. Yeah.
1: The uh, when, it, when it comes to what my practice actually looks like, in a lot of ways, it, it's centered around that one single flame where I can have the flame. But it's also um, there are aspects of it that are timed. So like, when we were driving, uh, when I was driving, uh, before we switched, uh, you, you asked me if it, if, the, if it was sunset, because you, hit you saw me pray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was not speaking out loud or anything like that, but, but you saw my mouth moving. Um, and I thought, I, was, I, I actually, I remember thinking, I just think this, but eh, whatever. <laughs> So I I spoke it terribly quietly because, I don't know, you were doing something at the time, or I thought you were doing something at the time. (laughs) Um, And, uh, I mean, you you recognize the work that I do. Um, And so my my prayer there uh, was one of those things that I do at sunset. You know, I I speak a prayer to the sunset. I used to also light a candle, even when I was driving. I I don't do that quite so often (laughs) these days. Um, I could have asked you to light a candle, I suppose, but I I don't do that as often as I used to. I'm not quite that dumb as I once was. Um, But that aspect of it, um, by by setting those time limits and by saying, at this specific time, I'm going to do this thing... That helps me get around a lot of the other trappings of ritual and religion.
0: Yeah, because you just have to do it wherever you are, exactly. whenever that time is.
1: And, and it's the commitment that then creates the connection, because you're you're living up to the commitments that you made, you're living up to the piety that you've committed to. Um, that helps to make you feel more connected to the piety that you're doing.
0: I will say that, um, like, we, we've we talked a lot before about how you don't need stuff, yeah. right? Um, but I will also kind of couch that right now with the, with the caveat that, that sometimes you do based on how you personally feel about it. Yeah. Um, so, like, for me... I can pray without stuff, no problem. But I get a lot more out of it if I have at least a candle. Yeah. So, like, it it can happen and, you know, does when it needs to. But if I have a preference, I'm at least going to try and light a candle.
1: Yeah. As typically I will as well. I don't have any problem praying without a candle. But boy, do I prefer it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't need stuff, but sometimes it's good to have something if you connect more with that thing.
1: It is. And uh, a fire, in particular, is a focus. I mean, that's, that's where we get the word focus, is from the Latin word for fire, or hearth. And uh, that, the, the, the action that goes along with the prayer by doing things in physical space as well as in your mental space it can kind of solidify Um, I don't spend a lot of time in places that prohibit fire frankly Um, I know there are a lot of places that do Uh, dorm rooms in particular Um, uh, if you're in the uh, the, the military, you're, you're very likely to run into places where you just can't have yeah, fire. Yeah, dorms,
0: prisons, militaries.
1: Yeah, prisons. Uh, hostels. Um, but there are always ways kind of around that. If you have a rock um, that, that is orange or red or clear, you can use that as well as your uh, as your focus of flame.
0: When I was teaching my desktop altar had um a little uh tree like a little wire tree and a little um dish of water and then I had a thumbtack um or like a push pin that I had up the the cork board that I would then hang my necklace on because my necklace is a, a fire Yep. Um, so I would hang the necklace on there and it would sit, it would like hang down right in the middle. So my fire was in the middle and then I still had
1: the three things. I've seen pictures of that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I sometimes use my initiatory necklace in the same way since I have the same necklace. Yeah. And the <laughs> um, and the, uh, the, the, the connection that it has not only to, you know, it, it has a fire on it, but to that... Fire that we deal with with the initiator current mm-hmm. um, is something that is worth exploring and, and dwelling on. I think for a bit, maybe not now, but another time.
0: Yeah. Um, I do like that with the necklace. I am. I feel like I am never without that fire.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Virtual jewelry is is always a good way to hold that thing with you.
0: Yeah, to incorporate those things. I I know neither one of us have any tattoos, but I imagine it could be very similar um, yes. if you had spiritually significant tattoos that you could use that way.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people have gotten uh, the, the Cosmos sigil mm-hmm. that Ian Corrigan designed, uh, which is it's, uh, it's on all of our stoles as ADF priests, but... At the top, it has a wheel uh, for the cosmic the, the cosmic order. At the bottom, it's got a spiral, um, and then in the center is the the nine chambered house of Lu, or the nine realms uh, of, of this world, and that connects a lot of people to uh, to the cosmos when they when they look at it. And so, having it tattooed upon them helps them feel connected uh, and it always gives them a place to to work from. So things you can always have with you are good. Yeah. They help remind you of what you're doing and what you're working on uh, which is always a, a nice and useful thing. When it comes to camping I know a lot of people bring altars to set up, like a, 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 an altar to put in their tent or outside of their tent. Uh, and that is an interesting way to, to sort of create that expression.
0: I enjoyed when we uh, used to camp as a grove, particularly at Brushwood when we would have like our, our whole campsite and everything. But we had a, a grove altar. Yeah. And so everyone would bring their, whatever, their stuff that they wanted to bring, and put it on that communal altar for the weekend. Um, which I always really enjoyed that.
1: Yeah. Uh, when you're camping with other people, it's a, it's a good opportunity to sort of expand your experiences. Yeah. And and figure out what it is that they like and how you can fit into that as well. Um, We've got in the shop, we've got of course the, the community altar that people can bring stuff and, and set stuff on it. Um, and that is a fabulous mismatch of things. <laughs> I, I, I really, I really love it. And people from every tradition bring stuff and set it onto the altar and they make offerings at it, and, you know, burn incense at it. It's it's really kind of cool. And that communal experience of those altars is something that I don't think that we, we necessarily do enough of
0: I feel like it must be the the same or maybe a similar feeling to you know when you walk into a catholic church and they have that whole like display of candle of like votive candles yeah. and you can go and you can light one and so there, there always seem to be like 10 or 15 of them burning but it's like a rack of like 100 plus candles Yep. Um, and you can go up and you can light one. Yep. And I, I feel like it must be a similar feeling to this is a communal place of prayer. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and we've done stuff like that with the Grove. Uh, there was the, the year that we set up a, a small ancestor shrine mm-hmm. uh, for Samhain, and everyone came in and lit up a candle on the, the altar.
0: Yeah, we've done a few of those.
1: Yeah, that, that's always been a really nice thing, because then as you do that work, everything gets warmer, everything gets brighter, and as you bring all those ancestors together, everything is brightened. Of course it also gets very hot, so you need to be yes. sure I was gonna say
0: I super careful. The one year we did it, we did it with all tea lights all on a table. And it was gorgeous, it was really great. Another year we did it, we had candles of like mismatched candles of all different sizes on a tray and then tried to carry the tray around and it
1: was precarious. <laughs> yes. As anyone who has tried to uh, carry candles during a candle-finding uh, yule will know, yeah. um, you put them all in a tray, and boy, they are hard to carry. Yeah, <laughs> It's not so much that they're heavy, it's that to, to carry them, they end up under your face and hot. <laughs> um, but back to simple work and, and things like that you know you do the work that you do or you do the work that you can do based on the stuff you have on hand
0: yeah I mean I do travel work by necessity like we're traveling now and I have my travel altar and that's all well and good but one of my favorite places to actually intentionally do it like by choice is I really like taking my travel altar when I go hiking yeah and, you know, sometimes you just come across a really good spot when you're hiking. And it's a great place to, you know, sit down, commu- commune the, with
1: nature. Experience the hierophany of the sacred appearing <laughs> at the profane. Yeah, yes.
0: yeah. And so, like, that's one of my favorite places to intentionally uh,
1: do, like, stripped down travel altar yeah. work. It, it is. Super nice to do virtual work on top of a mountain, and the only way to get there is hiking up it, and scrambling up it.
0: I mean, not even a mountain. I'm talking like quarter mile down the path of the Metro Park, too. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but
1: <laughs> well, but the, yes. <laughs> and, and the really nice thing, I mean, I take this altar when I go abroad as well. Mm-hmm. So when I went to Europe, I took this altar, and I had something that I could unfold and set up in any sacred space that I could find and I found plenty of sacred spaces yeah um, it, it's it's really nice to have it available uh, yeah I, you
0: need it. I like that mine is slightly bigger than yours because like it it holds the box of matches and there. stuff like that um, but I like that yours fits in girl pockets
1: yeah. <laughs> it is, it is admittedly a little bit cramped to, to, to carry everything in it, but I, I've gotten to the point in my practice, and I've been there a long time, when as long as I've got a candle and some matches, I'm good. Yeah. And so I don't I don't worry, I don't sweat the fact that I don't have a divination tool or anything like that. I, I have I have a lot of faith in. The notion that if I do work, it will be good work, and it will be accepted. And I don't have to. I don't have to constantly be asking. Mm-hmm. So divination set is not part of my typical kit.
0: Like I said, mine might be in there right yeah. now. I'm not actually sure.
1: Yeah. but it's, it's it's not something that you know we're, we're talking about. What do we strip out of our kit? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't usually carry a divination set. I I do when I want one. Um, I'm far more likely to just have a candle than I am to have a candle plus something else.
0: Yeah, well, and I think it's worth noting for me that when I built that ritual kit, I was only comfortable with symbol sets for divination. Right. Um, And now I'm much more comfortable with, like, open forms and free forms of divination.
1: Yeah. Um, Listening to the wind... Looking at uh, the way the fire dances. Yeah, like there's other
0: there's other ways that I'm comfortable doing divinatory work now, yeah. um, so it's become less imperative.
1: Yeah, it, it takes a bit of time to get to that level of comfort, but it's something that you know if you do the work long enough, you're very likely to to reach mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, strip down to what you think is good for you. And that's the right place to be.
0: Do you find that you are more likely to use set prayers when you travel? Or extemporaneous prayers?
1: Like. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to figure out how to answer that and I'm not sure I can. But. So I, I have my set prayers. I, I have individual prayers I use either at certain times of day or in certain experiences. Um, but. I prefer conversational prayer sometimes, but it depends on when and where and what I'm doing. Yeah. It, it really depends on the encounter with the divine and what that encounter looks like um, and who it is, frankly. Um, dawn and sunset, it's going to be a set prayer. It's, it's what I do. Yeah. Um, but... If I am standing on top of a windswept mountain with, you know, just this, just my travel altar and, you know, I I see something that reminds me of, I don't know, Iris, I see a a rainbow off to the side. I don't have a set prayer for Iris. I'm going to make one up and it'll be very extemporaneous. So, yeah, it just, it really depends on, on who I encounter. What about you?
0: I think, um, so when I asked that question, I was thinking to myself, well, I do almost entirely set prayers when I travel. (laughs) That's not accurate. (laughs) But I cling to routine when I travel because everything else is different, and so I cling to the, the little pieces that I can make the same. And so my set prayers are what happen when I am maintaining a routine, but then the same as you when I am out somewhere, like if I go hiking I might have a set prayer like to nature or the nature spirits that I would do um but when I experience that perfect spot in the woods, like that's gonna be extemporaneous because it's conversing with whoever happens to be there and is also lifting up whatever physical features I see um so those are are not set prayers so I thought I was really sure and then I
1: then I wasn't (laughs) Uh, I'll be honest your question makes me think boy I need a lot more set prayers (laughs) because I don't have a whole lot Um, but I have I have enough to say yes I have set prayers but now I kind of want more
0: for as much as I thrive on routine you would think I have more than I do well
1: it's hard when you're out there in the wild uh, to, to anticipate the things that you will encounter. Yeah. And, and maybe that's part of it, because I know I'm going to encounter sunrise and sunset. Th- those happen. <laughs>
0: Funny thing about the dog, yeah.
1: She comes every day. <laughs> she sure does. <laughs> so, maybe if I thought more about the kinds of things that I should expect... I might have more to uh, uh more of those set prayers to, to make. I don't know. I think about that. Maybe I just gotta write some prayers. Yeah. It's not like there's a prayer day event coming Thing up. Thing coming up. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, this will probably not be released before, but <laughs> that's fine. It's every November. It's
0: still coming up. It's just still coming further up.
1: away. <laughs> it's every November. We'll we'll uh you can find our prayer day episode I think we've got one don't we? Yeah, I think got so. one. yeah we do It's a bonus episode right? I don't know Early on? I maybe. don't know I don't know we'll find <laughs> it but yeah. yeah I'm going to read some more prayers now Yeah Thanks for listening and there's more to come
0: we welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something you would like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsandcars at threecranes.org.
1: If you'd like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org donate.
0: Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Our theme song's lyrics were written by Arthur Shipkowski and the music is written and recorded by Mike Bierschenk.
1: Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at ADF.org.
0: As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.